breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Well, in studio with us this morning, Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur Captain. Ricky, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Now, you guys have already talked, uh, spoken with Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Yes, sir. Well, of course, we're talking about Mardi Gras, all the confusion that's going on uh, with Mardi Gras changing the dates. That's the biggest contention, I think. Yes, sir. That's one of the biggest concerns. The, ma- the mayor has said you guys need to find 60 additional security personnel That's correct. so that Centaur can remain on that February 3rd date and roll from Lake Street. That's correct. Um, are you making any headway on that? You know, that's, uh, I don't understand. You know, I was in law enforcement for 42 years. I, I feel I feel for them. But now I'm in the Mardi Gras crew, and what authority do I have as a captain with a crew to reach out to try to get these security people. You know, it's going to take somebody from his office or Chief Smith's office or to actually go out and requisition these people. All they have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to the lieutenant governor, he kind of briefed me a little bit on what he had in mind for some park rangers and possibly troopers. And But it, the request is going to have to come from the city. And because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be privy to how much you're, they're paying, when they get paid, what they're going to be doing, unless you, unless you're expected to foot the right, bill for right. these officers. And nobody said a word about pay. You know, it's just I right. need people. He's he said from day one when we first met with him that money is not a problem. Mm-hmm. He said I need people. Okay, well if we get people, who's going to pay them? You know, I, and what's the rate? And exactly. how many hours you t- do I tell them they're working? All That's that, correct. all yes, the ma'am. logistics. That's true. Um, so where are you now? You know, I want to have another meeting with him. And, you know, we just want a seat at the table. You know, we we had our – when I took over as captain for my second time in March, that was my first priority to reach out to SPAR. Let's get a meeting together. And what are we going to do this coming year? And that went on for – what three months four months mm-hmm. and finally we got a meeting on august 3rd and we walked in the room and and uh and there was really no discussion it was uh you know we got some changes we want to make and the mayor talked for five minutes and then turned it over to tom dark and they had a contract laying on the table when we got there and it's like okay there's no discussion here and uh you know and since then you know that's that's my deal okay they said that they had been meeting for two or three months looking at the different changes. Why not bring us to the table? We have 30 years of experience of doing a Mardi Gras parade. We can help you and uh, at least let us have input, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Is is the option of just pulling out well, that's on the option. table right now? That's an option. Have y'all discussed going, you know what, we're not rolling? Do I, you know, do I want to go there? No. Obviously not, not but, it, but is that but something that you, y'all have discussed? We have discussed it. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, I hope it doesn't come to that. I feel like that once the lieutenant governor sits down with the mayor and gives him the options that he can do and help out with, I think it's going to solve itself. 
Yeah, uh, Nungesser told us yesterday that uh, park rangers, mm-hmm. state park rangers, were were possibly That's an correct. option that he's looking into. That's what he's told us, yes, sir. Ricky Bridges, crew of Centaur Captain, for for you and your crew and your board, what is a deal breaker as we sit here today? That's a good question. Uh, I think most of our crew, when I've spoken to them, is the date change. You know, he's already agreed that he would leave the the full route, and he said he had enough people to cover that. And I think it's the change in the date. And, uh, you know, we they keep saying the African-American parades had their date for 30-something years. Well, we've had, you know, it's always 10 days before first Tuesday or the Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had that for 30, 35 years, so as long as we've existed. And but you know it feels like we're being thrown up against the wall, and everything else is you know is no negotiating. Now the parade start time. Uh, the mayor wants the, all the parades to be over before dark. Right? Is that something? I mean, obviously you, you want to start at two. Th- you have to start at two thirty. Is that right. something that you want to work on? And uh, we would to love, be able to roll love, at night. We would love to have a later time. You know, we spend all this money on lights, putting on these floats, and you know the the public likes that. And but you know, it's like I've told everybody: there's got to be give and take between both of us. And you know, we rolled up, believe last year at three o'clock. You know, and I've tried to tell my crew, what's thirty more minutes? You know, we we're gonna have to give somewhere. Is the parade more dangerous at night? You know, I've been told that the stats from last year, and y'all know my brother, and he's a stat guy, mm-hmm. and there was one arrest during our parade last year. So tell me where the crime rate's at. You mm-hmm. know, they had the shooting during the Gemini parade. That was an accidental. Now, that wasn't know, even an act of violence, and, per and, se. And I I mean, obviously, it was a violent, but you know what I'm saying. I don't care if you got 500 or 1,000 officers standing on the corner. You're not going to prevent that. It's eventually going to happen. And, you know, we hate it happen. You know, it kind of put a bad light on things. But, you know, that's uncontrollable. That was just teenagers being teenagers. Uh, um, make sure you cut out our next element because we're going to go long. Um, sorry, I'm just giving Mike a little <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me ask Ruben's you, not here. Right. Let me let me ask you this, Ricky. Um, when is your deadline? When do you guys have to say? Okay, it's a done deal. We've got to deal with the city. Here we are. I mean, do you have a drop-dead date? Uh, when we've had the very first meeting with the mayor, that was my last question to, to the staff that was there is when would they need to know if we're going to change the date or stay on or we're going to fight the date? And he said probably December, first part of January, that they need to know by Oh, then. wow. So mm-hmm. there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. And that's because what we were told in the meeting. We we know uh, from our discussions with the Lieutenant Governor Nungesser, he does not want to change the dates. He's been working international travel right. and tourism that he says are, are coming to right. North Louisiana, he not said, just Louisiana Mardi Gras, but North Louisiana Mardi Gras. Yes, sir. He told us that he has been to Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. promoting Mardi Gras for North Louisiana. And, you know, you have people that's making reservations, you know, ahead of time and making travel plans. Absolutely. And then you right here at the dead end start changing dates, you know, and that's that's what we had. You know, that's why I say we just wanted to to be at the table and let us interject what we know about Mardi Gras 
And, uh, you know, I can probably guarantee you that the people we met with with the city doesn't have a clue how to, you know, the logistics of setting one up. And we if, got it down to a science. Ricky, if if the city or city leaders say that, that the economic impact of the Mardi Gras is not nearly what folks claim, the lieutenant governor disagrees. He thinks it's huge. Um do they need better numbers? Do we? Because we see the. I mean, I live right there in the in the parade. I see all the people. I you know I know people are in hotels. Um, are they are they missing something? Uh, must be. We uh, you know, back two years or <clears throat> excuse me, three years ago when we met with Perkins and had the same issues. You know, Stacy Brown with the Tourist Bureau. She was great with with her numbers, and I feel like she is spot on. And you know at that particular time, we were looking at probably around $20, 22000000 million economic impact. Do they want to throw that out the door? Uh, question I can't answer. Well, let me play devil's advocate then because there are those that say there's no real economic impact. They say people that are coming in, they bring their food, they bring their coolers, they even bring their own beer. They're not spending money in stores. A lot of them aren't staying in hotels. Where is that economic impact? From what I've heard is, you know, especially like the people in Shreve City, they love it. There's, I think there's one daiquiri shop or something that's out that way. And, and he said, but they're not doing $22 million uh, no, in, not that in much, business. But, but he said that, uh, you know, for the two parade dates that he makes more money in them two days than he does all year. Mm. The grocery stores love it. And, uh, you know, you got hotel motel people, you know, doing hotel motels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, travel, gas, eating, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I just feel that it's there. And, uh, Ricky, let me, let me ask, and I, and pretend like we're not on the radio station, okay. if you don't mind. Y'all turn off like the mics. We're just, you, you and go. me talking, just girls talking. Um, what's behind this? What's behind this resistance from the, the mayor and the administration? What do you suspect? I feel like that there's some politics in it. And, uh, How so? you have the African American parade, which we are not, I, I've told this from day one, we are not in competition with them people. You know, mm-hmm. I, we love their parade. You know, we love everybody parading. And, uh, I just feel that there's getting more pressure on us than them. You know, have they asked them? We've offered to let them ride in front of us and not, hadn't heard one peep out of them. And you don't, you know, when you hear, the mayor talk or anybody else there's no mention of hey what's the african-american parade doing are they having to try to get security and and that's what i that's what i don't understand you know why Mm -hmm. is it it seems like when we get a new mayor every year there's changes they're wanting changes Mm -hmm. and this thing has worked for 30 something years why change it and i i get the shortage of the officers you know i've dealt with that and uh but it can be worked. There's resources out there that will come help us and get this done. Ricky Bridges, Crew of Centaur Captain. Thanks for coming in. Yes, ma'am. Thank mm-hmm. y'all for having me. Thank you, Ricky. Yes, 1017 sir. FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarter. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
and I know it'll be the same for me. So, <laughs> oh, the mics are on. Yeah, the mics are on. What a, exactly. One FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Is it? Is it Friday? Not quite. Ah. It's almost Friday, but I didn't win the Powerball, so uh, you know I would rather win it on a Saturday night than on a Wednesday night. Because on a Wednesday night, oh, you know, hell no. Because then it'd be like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> How would you have done if I had called you last night? Right and said, now. I'm done, Mike. I won the Powerball tonight. See you later. I'd go, where are we going? Because you, <laughs> you're supposed to cut me in on it. So <laughs> $725 million for Saturday night. So it's a lot of moolah. A lot of moolah. And I went and got my ticket. Yeah, but you're going to get eighteen dollars. No, take home after, no, you're going to get about three hundred million after the taxes, taxes and all are gone. So all your relatives. I'm. I just marvel at there's that many tickets are sold and nobody that's, hit uh, that's it. That's what I that, exactly. Nobody got it. I'm. I'm. I'm amazed at that. That because Bill Gates could go buy every combination of tickets, and it costs a hundred million or something like that. And then you're certain to win because you have every combination of tickets. But is that logistically possible? First of all, it would you have it to would enter take an all? army of people. How, yeah. would, how would you do it? You have to Could hand just, do it with your pencil. Oh, see, there's no You'd way. You'd have to have a gym full of workers. There's yeah. <laughs> the, for, so logistically, you couldn't do it. Yeah. And then you hit that, and then oh look, there were two other tickets that won it also. Imagine going to a store with 100 million slips of paper, going <laughs> run these tickets. <laughs> It would take three days. I don't know how you would do it. I really don't. But if another ticket had the same number, you would split it. So you would be losing money. So. We've, we've got a, a busy morning this morning. As a matter of fact, we'll be talking tax reform. Uh, Daniel Lerspalmer with the Pelican Institute. Also, there's some issues with Shreveport water, apparently. Fortunately, not in my area. Hmm. Is it in your area? Well, now I'm knowing what was in that dunk tank the other day because it was brown and yucky and now i know what it was <laughs> oh yeah. no yeah it wasn't just uh well we'll find mm. out uh we do have william daniel coming on with us later this morning uh and a lot more schedules to stay stay with us mike and mccarty 1017 fm 710 keel back with more of mike and mccarty on 1017 fm and 710 keel A few weeks ago, start of you know high school football season, they have the jamboree. Mm-hmm. Bozier hosts the jamboree at uh, Airline High School. Yep, Bozier Parish, uh, all the schools they have the jamboree, and I mm-hmm. love the jamborees. Sure. And when I was with uh, the Bozier Police Department in the reserve unit, uh, we would work. We we'd work Bozier football games, which kept regular officers for the street. Sure. You know. Um. But it was hosted by, a lot of people I don't think realize, the Bossier Jamboree is hosted by the Bossier Sheriff's Department. Ah, I did not know that. They're one of the sponsors. So okay. it's kind of a featured event for them. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple weeks ago, somebody posted a picture of, and when the Sheriff's Department, when they host that, they make a show out of it. Sure. They bring all of their units that, mm-hmm. that are available 
and they're, they're parked around the stadium. They've got their uh, emergency response unit, their TAC unit. You know, they've got mm-hmm. everything. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a recruiting right. tool. Right, right. But somebody posted it and like, oh, they must be expecting trouble in Bozier. Uh, I'm like, no, no, people. That's what they're doing. Calm down. Yeah. And there were, you know, 600 replies. Oh, boy. It, it, Gosh. Tonight, it, but you know what's like, happening tonight, no. right? They might need some units tonight. Tonight is Shreve Bird. And, it's, and you know what goes with all those shenanigans that they, that they do. <laughs> Um, my kid, a uh, statute of limitation up. I think one of my kids uh, years ago, <laughs> yeah, they went and okay. stole the gator from in front of Shreve or something. <laughs> I don't know. They, it's the day when to, all week actually they do shenanigans. And see, Aaron, look, I got no problem with kids being kids. Mm-hmm. Don't break the law. Don't don't damage property. Well, no, exactly. Maybe don't right. steal a gator. <laughs> but it's it's a big rivalry, and yeah, it's now it's, where are they? So uh, I guess it's Independence Stadium. I guess that's where they're playing. Yeah, because they're not playing at, at uh, Shreve right now. No, Lee they're, Hedges is still Lee Hedges, uh, yeah. being fixed. So a um, lot you'll see lots of cars with the you know yellow jackets and the Gators, and it's a it's a big deal, big deal. So <laughs> go Bird. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, high school football. <laughs> you gotta love it. Go yeah. bird. <laughs> 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I was really surprised the political news yesterday. Were you? Yeah, yeah, not really. By which one? But he was polling last. But you're, he you're was talking about the governor's. Yeah, race. Richard Nelson Richard bailing Nelson. out. Right. I thought it might be Sharon or or Hunter Lundy. I thought maybe one of them would bail out. And they still might. They still might. They're still going to be on the ballot. The first though, right? domino has fallen. Yeah. But yeah, the ballots have already been done. So mm. see, that's also. You know, people are going to go in, and, and how many people keep up with stuff like we do? Now, when, go, when you oh, say I the like ballots him. are done, can you still vote for him, or will you not yeah, be able no, to vote for I him? I think it's on the ballot. He's still okay. on the ballot, so it still could affect the outcome. Hmm, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't guess they can disable that particular right. I would candidate. imagine you you could still vote for him, and his votes just won't count. Um, he's endorsing Landry. Did you, I know you're working on that. Did he give any kind of indication why he was endorsing Landry and not one of the others? I don't think he, he didn't really say. He didn't. He, he just, just said, I'm, I'm, in, I'm endorsing the front runner. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, early voting starts September 30th. We're a little vote over a early. week. Vote often. Vote early, vote, vote often. Yeah. The primary <laughs> is October 14th. Uh, early voting kicks off September 30th. So now you have six kind of formidable candidates left in the race. Um, four Republicans. Are they though? I, you know, I don't know. That's formidable. a good question. I mean, really? Four serious contenders, you know, that have raised money and that have made a run. Uh, yeah, John, John Schroeder. Obviously, mm-hmm. he was just yeah. here yesterday. Obviously, Jeff Landry, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Sean Wilson, mm-hmm. and then Wagisback. Wagisback, Sharon Hewitt, and well, some was, would say Hunter saying, Lundy. Well, I would. <laughs> um, his mom. Um, <laughs> I was trying to say candidates that were. Yeah, 
I just don't know when the, one of the latest polls shows Landry at 40%. I mean, that's a strong, strong number. Right. Um, that obviously gets you into the runoff. But then you hear other polls saying that 58% are still undecided. And that's a big number. That's a lot of folks. Now, and guys like like, like Wagesback, mm-hmm. he left a great job. You bet. To run for governor. Mm-hmm. Somebody's already in that position. Would he? Does he get his job back? No. He, he said, in fact, somewhere he said he'd have to go out looking for a job. Said he, you know, he said, if, and, and if like I don't John win. John Schroeder, he was, you know. Uh, he uh, said he didn't need a job. Treasurer. He's a, yeah. He's got a company that he owns that's already making a lot of money. Oh, so he doesn't okay. need to. He, don't, he won't need a job. And he says he doesn't need a job to be governor. He's already got a great lucrative business. So Must be nice. Yeah, must be nice is right. <laughs> but, I, you know, I was talking to some political people last night, and, and, you know, I was saying, you know, folks that are not quite in the Landry camp, and they're but they don't want a Democrat, they're like, well, I might just have to vote for Landry because I don't want a Democrat. And then others were saying, no, vote for the candidate you think would be vote. the best governor. That's what I said yesterday. And let's let the dust settle. Right. Vote for who you think it would be the best governor. And then let's see where the chips fall. Right. And if, if the chips fall it's, with it, Landry, that's fine. In the but primary, then they're worried they'll let, they'll, they're helping Wilson. Yeah. And, and I understand that logic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to find out what's happening with Shreveport Water later this morning. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, and on the free Keel. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. So big, big. Uh, it was Wine Wednesday. Big, big night last night. You you look great. You look like. I mean, you you don't look like you over imbibed. I didn't over imbibe. I was out a little bit late, and uh, but I got a good night's sleep and waited. I woke up at my like second alarm today, so that was a good thing. Not waking up before the alarm has been a good thing. So I've been waking up before the alarm lately. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So yeah, and a couple glasses of wine, some nice little nibbles, and lots of good condo. Lots of conver- yeah, yeah. Lots of company and conversation. Absolutely. So it's a, it, just nice to relax and just chill. And um, I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself. I'm a, have to be recovering a little bit today, but I'll be all right. I've been going to bed early all week. Such like a 730. huge weekend. Six thirty Tuesday. Dang. You know, we were out of town all weekend mm-hmm. and traveling. First of all, traveling. Okay, yeah, I am just sitting in a chair. You know, mm-hmm. thirty thousand feet in the in the air. Right. Why does it wear you? Why does it wear your butt out so badly? Well, you can't stretch out good. You're oh, cramped. It's, it's exhausting. And then we flew. You know, of course, we flew into Dallas. So then I had to drive three hours home mm. after. The- a three hour drive is stressful. And it's also it tiring. Yes. You know, it's achy. The older you get, those drives get worse. I was late last night. I was 8.30 getting to bed. Ooh, party animal. Look at you. (laughs) Yeah. Man. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Just relaxing. Yeah. (sighs) Going (sighs) anyplace. I mowed last night. Mm Mm-hmm. So I got the yard did. Oh, okay. I, I didn't, You're all so, done with um, your honeydews. No, I'm not, but <laughs> but they're they're manageable. You know, if you if you ever get them all done, 
I got a few extra. Yeah, exactly. You want to come over no. and do some extras? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good with that. my mom's dogs. You changed the tire, by the way, of my car in my dreams the other day. <laughs> I called you and you answered the phone. And I was dead in the water on the on-ramp on I-20. And I thought, oh, how funny. Martindale or McCoy? Martindale or McCoy? And I knew McCoy was already here at work. And so I thought, Martindale can change a tire. So I called you and darned it if you didn't come up there. And the car was already kind of at a slant. So you made me walk, you made me get away from the car in case it fell off the jack. Weirdest dreams in the world. I'm a hell of a guy. Yeah, now I'm going to get a flat tomorrow. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It was supposed to rain tomorrow. Uh Uh-oh, yeah. I don't want to change flat in the rain. (laughs) Call call McCoy. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline from the Pelican Institute, Daniel Erspalmer joining us. Uh Daniel, first of all, good morning, sir. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Hey, good morning. Great to be with y'all. Thanks for making some time for me. Yes, sir. You've got a a new report. Let's talk tax reform. What uh what have you discovered? We don't need taxes anymore? <laughs> If only that were the case, that yeah. would be great. <laughs> no, two two pieces of uh, of news to share here. The first is, of course, we released the Pelican Institute released a tax plan to phase out the state's personal income tax, uh, simplify the rest of the tax code, and really create a, a, a tax code for the 21st century that can help businesses and families thrive. And we can do so without raising another tax somewhere else or making significant cuts uh, to uh, to government services. We can do this by just constraining the growth of spending. By just doing that, we can phase this out over, uh, we, we project seven years. And in the meantime, in one year one alone of this plan, our model pr- suggests this produces 4,000 new jobs and over a billion dollars in new economic activity for our state. Well, this sounds like good news. Do you think eliminating the personal income tax in Louisiana, is this really going to happen? Well, that's the other piece of good news. And as as we are preparing this, you know, we've talked some about this uh, on your show. We have this uh, this campaign we're running all across the state. Uh, we call Our Louisiana Comeback. And this talks about all these issues, tax reform, budget reform, ensuring every child has access to a school that fits him or her and allowing state dollars to follow the child. Some really important big changes coming uh, to Louisiana. So we wanted to know, do voters support these? Is this the mandate that, that voters are sending to uh, to a new batch of lawmakers and a new governor? And it seems so. Our polls suggest 58% uh, of voters support and only 20% oppose phasing out the personal income tax. Uh, it's perhaps most surprisingly, 66% of voters uh, want our state leaders to prioritize budget reform, uh, and only nine percent oppose that to constrain Daniel, the growth of government. Daniel, <laughs> I just saw her. I just saw her BP go up when you Daniel, said budget reform. I can see her face from here. Daniel, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, poor innocent Daniel. There, sorry, you're chuckling. There is. You are not going to find me one lawmaker. Maybe two or three. Maybe 
who are going to say, do away with the personal income tax and don't find replacement revenue. They're all, anybody who's pitching doing away with the personal income tax is also pitching some sort of replacement tax. Right. You are, you are dreaming pie in the sky, sir, if you, you think you can pitch do away with that income tax and we don't have to have a replacement tax. Well, that certainly has been the conversation. And here's why I think, Aaron, is uh, we've been asking the wrong question. Too many lawmakers who've been in that building too long. And, and, and the good news is most of these lawmakers are not in your neck of the woods. But too many of these lawmakers go in and say, how do we solve government's problem? That's the replacement question, right? How do we, if we're going to eliminate the income tax, how do we solve government's problem mm-hmm. by replacing it with something else? The question we should be asking is how do we solve the problems of Louisiana families that our kids and grandkids are leaving? We can't find work here. Mm-hmm. And so we set out to work. We've been working on this plan for just over a year. We did uh, 20 different iterations with uh, our economic model on this to find the right plan that actually allows you to do this. And here's why it works. And I understand your skepticism, but here's why it works. Our state budget, as y'all know, has grown from $27 billion mm-hmm. to $50 billion mm-hmm. in just the last eight years. If we had just controlled uh, spending in that, and, and if we just look at the state general fund from $7.5 billion to $13 billion, if we just controlled spending, we could have been most of the way to eliminating the income tax already. <laughs> if All we controlled takes, spending, uh, here, do you <laughs> There's a piece in your study, and I know it's so detailed, but there's a piece in it that just hit me upside the head. Let me read this because it's important. Only three states in the nation have a corporate income tax, a franchise tax, and a personal income tax. Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Unsurprisingly, these states are home to only seven Fortune 500 companies. Bells should be ringing. Ding, ding, ding. This is not working. That's significant. That's huge, yes. Daniel. Yes. It, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, we have to remember this is this is the system that's set up by Huey Long, right? We are 100 years almost oh, yeah. into Huey Long's Louisiana. And his goal, right, every man a millionaire and punish Standard Oil. That, that was his goal in, in setting up government. Everyone needed to come kiss the ring in Baton Rouge in order to get anything, whether you were a, a business or a person. And instead of fixing that in a significant way over the last 100 years, everyone's just tried to put a Band-Aid over their problem. So we've made the problem worse and just you know put tax on tax and mixed it with credits and special interests and deductions. So that's right. We end up with only one of three states that are driving businesses. I mean, why would we even end up on the list with that plan, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we've got. Where yeah. do we trim government? You know, everybody says, oh, we'll cut spending. Nobody says, I'm going to cut 3,000 jobs or I'm going to cut the Medicaid rolls or I'm going to do this or that. No, because they'll get in trouble then. That's right, and and that's why. We, and look, we we have a list. We, we could talk through all the places we need to cut, and that would accelerate this plan even faster. All we have to do now is not grow it faster than our population is growing, and faster than inflation. If we can just resist the urge, if voters can make clear to to our lawmakers, you can keep doing what you're doing. Just don't add. Mm, but we you, could eliminate this income tax in seven years. You know what I keep thinking. 
If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, <laughs> we'd all have a merrier Christmas. Uh, can we talk sales tax when we get back? Yeah, you bet. All right. Talking with Daniel Erspalmer from the Pelican Institute, Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, and on the free. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Daniel Erspalmer from the Pelican Institute. Daniel, let me let me just let me start with let me start with this. We have in Louisiana, we're the proud owners of the highest state and sales tax percentage in the country. Almost ten percent. We're knocking on the door at ten percent. But the good news is, you know, at least we have the best roads in the nation, mm-hmm. and and we have the <laughs> best, best parks, best schools. We have yeah. the best education system. Mm-hmm. So we're paying the highest, but we've got such a good return on it. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's clear to to every taxpayer in the state. And and let's add to that. Not only uh, are we the highest. As we look at the couple of states that are closest to us in that sales tax rate, guess what? None of them pay an income tax. Uh, so, so clearly, we're getting the best of all worlds here. So, when you talk about budget reform, oh, where do where do where do we start? Yeah. Well, a couple of recommendations. The first is we've we've you know, and this was a, certainly a big debate in the last session. And I think, honestly, I think that's why that budget number in the poll is is as high as it is because people don't spend their time, shockingly, thinking about the state budget very often. Um, but but that was you know there was a big fight over this in the legislature earlier this spring. And uh, so we start with a meaningful expenditure limit that says government cannot grow faster than its population and inflation. It's very simple. You know, I don't know about you, but my household budget has not nearly doubled in the last eight years. Mm-mm. I suspect that's true for most families <laughs> and most folks listening here. Yeah. And yet that's what happened at the state budget. So As people were fleeing the state. As we get, that, right, as we have fewer and fewer citizens to provide services for. Exactly right. The third highest out-migration in the country. We are only behind California and Illinois. It, it, you know, it's it, we talk about this a lot. When we talk... And lots of debate around what legacy we're going to leave. But the truth is, in Louisiana, our legacy is, is leaving in our kids and grandkids who go to Texas and Tennessee and Florida and other places uh, to find opportunity because it's not here. But there's no reason it shouldn't be here. I mean, uh, let me just pause with a, a note of optimism here. We have all the assets we could want in this state. Five of the top 15 ports in the country, the most active natural gas sector, some of the most oil refineries of any state in the country, the Mississippi River, uh, access to uh, ready land and water, and a culture that brings people all across the state of Louisiana by the millions. There is no reason we can't be successful but for bad policy decisions. The good news of that is we can change that. And let that's me, the charge for this next governor and legislature. Let me ask you then, Daniel. You are a very wise man, but you are you're at a, essentially a think tank, I guess, if you would be an activist group. How are you going to get them to buy in 
what we've we've heard these messages over and over. Yeah, I like what you're saying. But yeah, but you've yeah. got to have some some folks to lead the charge. Do you think are you optimistic about that now? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, these are not new ideas. Obviously, we have done the deep research to make sure to figure out how to do them. But, but these ideas, we, we've known these are the right ideas for a long time. So your, your question is absolutely right. Here's my answer. The first is, I think for the first time in a long time, both candidates and voters know we're at a critical juncture. We've got to make changes now, and it can't be small ones. We've got to make big ones. Uh, the other point in our poll was six over 60 percent of almost 70 percent of voters said those issues, tax, budget, education, have a major impact on their who they decide to support in this election. So there's two things we do. The first is as candidates in this home stretch are coming for those folks listening and knocking on your door and asking you for your vote or asking you for money or whatever it may be. Ask them where they stand on these issues. Will you phase out the income tax and not Will replace it with a new tax? Amen. Yes. That's right. that's, but if we don't ask them now when they're asking for our vote, they don't know that that's what we want. And then when the legislature gavels in, you know, for those folks who want to join us at pelicanpolicy.org, sign up. One of the things we do is say, hey, these issues we've been talking about, they're about to vote on this. You might want to call your legislator. Here's here's their contact information. That's what so, it's going to take, Daniel. It's going to take people absolutely. deciding we're going to get active. We're not going to because all of us get up and go to our jobs every day. And, blah, 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 and then when it comes time to vote, oh, we might study it for a minute or two and then we'll go vote. And then we go back to our job. We go vote. Yeah. Well, Daniel, let me ask you, when we're talking about eliminating the, the personal income tax and you say we don't need to, you know, replace it, replace mm-hmm. it with another tax. How, where's that money coming from then? Because a legislator is going to say you can't write off what you know five hundred million dollars of what or whatever the revenue is and not yep. replace it. You're going to have to cut services. Again, all we have to do is not grow them faster than the economy, right? So here's what happens, and and we detail this for those who want to read it again. PelicanPolicy.org. Aaron, as you said, it's thirty six pages. So you know, mm-hmm. if you're looking to take a nap, you can yes. <laughs> read a few pages and. But but here's here's why we went into such detail to answer that very question. The, the income tax in this last year brought in roughly about four and a half billion dollars. And so the the question billion is, with as a B. you say, mm-hmm. billion with a B. Okay, thank you. By the way, eight years ago this was about three and a half billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So again, if you look at if we had just constrained growth in the past, what we could have done. But let's look forward. So all this requires again, the state grew at a much faster rate than that. What again, as as we model this, what our numbers tell us, even just step one of this, which is get to a flat tax and then begin to phase out, just getting to a flat tax is four thousand new workers and taxpayers and a billion dollars of new economic activity. Mm. What that means is more people paying taxes into the system, more growth of jobs in the economy, and these begin to snowball. And as the economy grows, you continue to very thoughtfully and, and, and intentionally lower that rate. Automatically, by law, use those surpluses every year. By the way, last year's surplus, which they went ahead and spent surplus in excess, was over $3 billion. That would have been enough almost to get rid of the whole thing. Mm. So if you have economic growth and you constrain spending, you end up with a surplus. You use that surplus to buy down the rate over time, and it just goes and starts to snowball. We have all the numbers laid out in this paper, but it's amazing you can do this by 
growing the economy, again, answering the question, how do we solve the problem for Louisiana's families, not Louisiana government? Mm -hmm. But the amazing thing is, by doing that, you also solve government's problem. Well, Daniel, obviously, you just you need to run for governor. What are you doing? What are you doing at the Pelican Institute? Well, as, uh, occasionally I will get that question, and my answer is I really like being married, yeah. um, so I will not be running for governor. However, we've talked to all the candidates who are running for governor. We've talked to just about every candidate running for the legislature. Um, and share these ideas. And I can tell you, look, there's there's certainly plenty of people who don't agree, but there's enthusiasm for doing something. And, and there's enthusiasm for figuring this problem out. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be the only ones who release the plan, and that's great. Let's mm-hmm. have this debate. Let's figure it out together. But the only way we do that, we figure, is we've got to put a stake in the ground and say, yes, it can be done, and here's how you do it. You got a better idea? Great. Let's do it. Let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. We're game for whoever has the right idea to get the economy moving again, to get our kids and grandkids back and stop the brain drain. Daniel Palmer with the Pelican Institute. Thank you, sir, from your mouth to God's ears. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Daniel. Amen. Great to be with y'all. Mm-hmm. Have a great you day. You too, sir. Uh, coming up here just after the local news, William Daniel will explain why Shreveport's water has such an unpleasant odor. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 7. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. A lot of Shreveport residents complaining about uh, their water. Is it dangerous? Does it just smell bad? Is it full of bacteria and COVID? Well, I'm going to really start something, aren't I? Don't want to do that. We're going to find out. Uh, William Daniel with the Shreveport Water and Sewage Department joining us right after the break. 101.7 FM, 710keel.com. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710keel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, 101.7 FM, 710Kiel, Mike and McCarty. William Daniel, director at uh, Shreveport's Water and Sewerage Department. We've got uh, got a lot of questions, William. Good morning, first of all. Thanks for talking with us. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. We uh, People are complaining There's uh, that their water has a funky smell this morning or for the past several days. So what uh, what's the issue? What have you discovered? You said you've been on a, a steep learning curve here. I have. This is the first time we've had uh, an algae bloom that was this significant since I've been in Shreveport. Uh, I'm aware that they used to happen in the past. We've instituted, you know, over the years, we've instituted different uh, treatment processes, specifically ozone. And that has kind of mitigated them. But we had a very large algae bloom in Cross Lake, and that creates uh, uh, this sort of uh, bad smell and bad taste in the water. Just to let the public know, the water is 100% safe. This is a naturally occurring process. It occurs all over the country, particularly in the south where you have surface water. But uh, I do understand that it tastes very bad and i have kind of smelled and tasted myself some people um it should have already passed people uh at the end of lines where water is not used very often they may still be getting some of this um uh, unpleasant water 
Uh, we'll come out and flush the line and try to get it all out if we, if, you know, if you'll call us. But um, in the future, we, when we get our ozone system fully running, we should mitigate uh, this uh, most of the time. So, did it affect the entire city or just certain sections of the city? No, it affected the entire city. Some people living close to the water plant, uh, you know, the water gets pushed by pretty rapidly, so it's replaced uh, regularly. If you live further out, or you, like I said, if you live on the end of a line where there's not much water used in that line, it's going to last longer, but um, it'll go away in, in a day or so. so what, have, what, have you done to, what have you done to address it? Or have you changed the chemicals you're using right now, Temporary, a temporary fix? Well, what we've done is we've seeded the lake with some copper sulfate, which keeps the algae from reblooming. And we have um, uh, increased uh, uh, our flushing so that we can, you know, that we can get some of it out. But really the, the ultimate solution lies in getting our ozone system fully up. We've had it up for about three weeks. Uh, it's not fully um, functional. So as time goes on in the next 30 days or so, we'll get the ozone system fully functional. This will mitigate it tremendously. We can't ever make it go away. Uh, these algae blooms occur, ironically, because people are fertilizing their yards and this water gets into the uh, the, the fertilizers washed into you know, ditches, and it eventually winds up in Cross Lake, and that causes the algae to bloom. So uh, the other irony is it's been too hot for it to bloom here <laughs> until the last couple of weeks. So, Well, that know, explains we all... why the uh, fire hydrants have been running on my mom's street for two days. Yes, ah, we've, been, okay. we've been flushing the that line. That explains that. that we, we flushed them through the fire hydrants, so... Yeah, I get people complaining about the smell and taste, and then I get some people <laughs> complaining about refreshing the line. So try to figure out which one to resolve. No, uh, we're going to continue flushing, especially, like I say, in areas that are on the dead ends of lines where not a lot of water is used. Uh, so the line, the water moves through the line fairly slowly. But we'll get it all out in a day or so. And like I said, I've been looking on the Internet, and this is happening all over the country. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I guess it's weather-related somewhat. Mm -hmm. gotcha. But um, it's completely safe. I know it tastes bad and smells bad, but it's completely safe. And if you put some in the refrigerator that you want to drink and maybe put a couple of drops of lemon in it, uh, once it's chilled, that pretty much... Uh, causes the flavor and the and the smell to dissipate the water quality lab number is here you can take this down if you're listening 673-7654 if you're still having an issue your guys will come out and flush the system 673-7654 correct yes and they can also call our dispatch 673-7600 and we'll get the uh, we'll get the information to the uh to the people who, who, who run out there and flush the lines for us. William William Daniel, Water and Sewer Director. Thanks for your time, sir. Oh, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 1017 FM. Now more 
breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Okay, so water is safe. Everybody's fine. Now I know why in the dunk tank this weekend, <laughs> the water was brown and stinky. <laughs> It didn't was, have anything to do with what was being dunked into the dunk tank. Hey, oh, hey, was be it nice. clear before? No, it the was first not. Ball hit the target, and I, I was driving there. <laughs> I was envisioning this beautiful blue Destin water, right? And right. I get there, and the fire department's filling it up from one of the fire trucks, <laughs> and I look in, and it's like murky brown water. You can't well, see the bottom of the dunk tank. I wonder if there's rust in the tank in the fire truck or something. It was a pretty new fire truck too. So I don't, yuck. I mean, I guess they're not real concerned about the quality of water that they're trying to put out a fire. No. But when you're dunking your fat booty in it, you would, <laughs> yeah, that was not pleasant. That was the right weekend to go out of town then for yeah. me, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Tag, you're it next year, by How the was way. the turnout, though, by the way? Because that was, was not, a fundraiser for yeah. the uh, Shreveport Fire and Police. It, it was a career fair. We made a little money for the dunk tank, but, fair, the, yeah. but they had a big career fair. They didn't have the turnout they were hoping for. And next year, I think they'll do a few things differently. Because I know Chief uh, Chief Smith was very excited about this mm-hmm. when we had the luncheon for the North Shreveport Business Association Yes, uh, that week before. He, he was talking about that and really looking forward to um, participating and getting new candidates. Mm-hmm. They are hoping that they get as many people, a wide net. If you know anybody that is looking for a career in law, in law enforcement, in the fire service, uh, city marshal, they need as many people as they can. And it could be a great career for a youngster. It really could. And they have academies starting throughout the year for all the departments. So, And look, yeah, you know, we've talked about Shreveport Police pay. But once you start moving up through the ranks, you've got a post right now on keelnews.com mm-hmm. of Shreveport Police salaries. Oh, yeah. You start moving up through the ranks. You start making it's, some pretty good jacks. It's not, yeah. And then when you're chief, you can pull out wads of hundreds. <laughs> So you can throw balls at targets and dunk yeah. morning air personalities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you only needed two balls to sink me. <sighs> I oh, thought well. you, you do have a video posted where he threw the he, he missed the first one. He missed the first one, and then I called him frog legs, and then then he hit the second one. <laughs> How many times did you did you hit the water? A dozen or so. Yeah, I was in the I was in the drink all day, <laughs> and then you had some of those lamos like Chief Reese who paid twenty bucks. And they could just walk up and hit the button. Oh, Didn't 20 bucks for one shot. You just walk up and punch, punch the button. Punch the button, yeah, because you have no game. <laughs> so you took the shortcut. Oh, coming up after the local news, uh, John Milkovich, candidate for Louisiana Senate, joining us. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCart. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty and in studio with us this morning local attorney John Milkovich, who is a candidate for Louisiana Senate. Senate <laughs> Ruben, where are you, baby? Yeah. Uh John, welcome. First of all, thanks for coming in. Hey Mike and Aaron, thank you so much for having me. 
you are running for this seat. You held this seat uh, four years ago. Right. And uh, it's been changed. The lines are changed a little bit. Sure. Tell people who don't know John Milkovich who you are first. Well, look, you know, I'm a, I guess you could say I'm a country lawyer. My, my wife and I have a mom and pop law firm where we've spent 35 years representing working families. And a lot we've done, I may be the most famous free lawyer in Northwest Louisiana, but don't tell that to everybody. I'll get a bunch more calls for, <laughs> but you know, we're involved in our church. Uh, we've been at the same church with the Durans for uh, 37 years. I've been married for 37 years. My wife would hope that by now I had it was straightened out, but she I feel like never three or four times a week. John I mean, Milkovich will never be straightened out. My wife's still working on me. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, my wife is like a perfect person. People say uh, to me, is your wife perfect? I said, I live with her. She is perfect. Mm. Don't we usually, we marry up, don't we? Yeah, we, yeah. We, kick, we, we outkick our coverage. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah, she's a beautiful lady. Now explain, because folks have said, well, you are a Republican as we sit here today. You have been a Democrat in right. the past. Yep. When did you make the change and explain why? Well, look, I was an old school Democrat and, and everybody that's listening knows, or either was or knows someone who is an old school Democrat. Parents, grandparents, great grandparents. And But what did old school Democrats believe in? They believe in hard work, Bible values, and a fair shake for working people. That's what I fought for in the legislature. As a Democrat, I authored some of the strongest pro-life bills in America, including, and, and to, by the way, God be the glory and thanks to the help of the people of Catanasota Parishes, but the fetal heartbeat bill and five strong uh, anti-abortion laws. I wrote a book defending Donald Trump. I hope that doesn't get me in trouble here. Uh, and <laughs> I received here. a 100% no. rating on my voting record from the Pro-Life and Family, Louisiana Family Forum. I was the only member of the Senate that went to the floor of the Senate and proposed hundreds of millions of dollars of targeted specific spending cuts. I was the only member of the Senate that voted against every attempt to increase or extend the sales tax in 2018. And I can assure you I was the only state senator during 2016 and 2020 that voted against the budget eight times. And again, what was the point? I think the government's spending too much of our money, and I think people need to keep their money. I'm, Would you have voted to bust the spending cap? No, absolutely not. Look, and Aaron brought it up before we went on air, but I was voting against budgets that were in the range of 30, 32, 34 billion on January, excuse, June, excuse me, June 8th, 2023. I was not there. Uh, the leg, I, I was not in office at the time. The legislature approved a $45 billion budget, meaning that in about six or seven years, or eight years, the budget's gone from twenty nine billion to forty five billion. I Who haven't heard that, that before. <laughs> I yes. haven't the We're middle class preaching that. Um, you talk Thank about you for work for for the working people. You talk about the old school Democrats were or for the working people. Would you support a minimum wage increase in Louisiana? Well, I think I did a moderate increase, and I and there was also another bill that would. Uh, vary it from district to district. I thought that didn't make an economic sense. But look, you know, in, in classic free market economics, we don't want any wage supports. At the same time, let's deal in the real world that we're in. We are in a great fight to get people from dependents and government assistance and living in uh, government housing to being out there and having a job and paying rent and really the ultimate buying their own houses, you know, responsible. And, you know, I think Back on this Democrat thing for just a minute, I, I was an old school Democrat. I left the party in 2021, and this is why, and this is my opinion. I believe that the modern Democratic Party in America is being run by Marxists and Leninists. They've gone from uh, hard work, Bible values, a fair shake for working people to atheism, socialism, and abortion. And the Democratic Party used to be for working people. Now it seems like the Democratic Party is for people not working. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I'm ticked off, and I'm a defender of Donald Trump. As a Democrat, as I said, I wrote a book defending Donald Trump, Robert Mueller, Aaron Boy for the New World Order. I don't know. They kind of. Uh, I, I'm not sure if anyone can even buy it if it's up online. But come by my office and. Uh, I might even autograph and just give it to you. You cannot live in the Shreveport area and not understand people's concern about crime. I want to know what legislation John Milkovich will put forward to address crime. We need more cops. We need to be safer in our homes, John. Well, look, this is what I say. Because of the gravity and seriousness of the times and the challenges that we're facing, I believe this. I don't think it's enough to say I will do this in the future. I think it's important to say what we have done in the past. This is what I did. As a member of the Louisiana Senate, I was the only member of the Senate between 2016 and 2020 that actually introduced bills to increase jail time for violent crimes. That was a trend at the time where we just kind of trendy and the lobbyists were all into letting violent criminals out of jail. Well, I filed bills to increase the jail time for violent crimes. I also voted, and I was the only member of the Louisiana Senate to consistently vote. If you're 17, I'm sorry. If you're big enough to do the crime, you're big enough to do the time. I also... Um, opposed the I went to the floor of the Senate and opposed what I call the daddy daycare bill it got through the house how did that happen they had a bill where if you're a first degree murderer and you're deemed to be a quote primary caretaker unquote they let you out of prison let you put where you know put on bedroom slippers and a a bathrobe and kind Mm -hmm. of pat around the house and be a first degree murderer and role model did you vote for justice reinvestment uh, and there was okay. I'm not sure if I know exactly what bill was. Now there was there a were few, like a series of bills. I voted against a bunch of it. Okay. And, and I, for example, I voted against reduced sentence for heroin trafficking. I voted against reduced sentencing for juvenile murders to 25 years. I voted against making juveniles eligible for parole after. What 25 about more years. good time for for inmates that uh, they claim are nonviolent? Yeah. Now I I was willing to look at and consider. Some some grace for people that you know issuing worthless checks, nonviolent crimes. But I think this: if we're going to do something about crime, uh, and, and by the way, that's part of my record. I uh, voted against, like I say, consistently voted against seventeen-year-olds being treated as children instead of adults. Um, this is what I believe. Some people say, "Well, we've got a terrible problem with mass incarceration." The the solution is not. To release a bunch of violent criminals on the on the people of Louisiana, and if you talk to police officers, and I have uh, fortunate to have several uh, police officers as friends, this is what they'll tell me. This is what they'll tell anybody that asks them. They're arresting the same people over and over and over again. And here's where I get politically incorrect. If I wasn't already, <laughs> uh, I think we need to look at the DA's office. And I'm sorry, but and I'm not trying to criticize everyone that works at the DA's office, but I'm hearing that. That there is kind of a, a revolving door. We know that there was an injection of Soros money into the DA's election, and I, that's that's unacceptable. And okay, so what? But how the, can a state lawmaker change that? Well, uh, I'm going to continue to vote that 17 year olds should be held accountable. I'm going to continue to uh, try to push these uh, bills to increase the jail time for violent crimes. But I think we need to do this. When I was in Baton Rouge, they had this horrible murder where some teenagers went in and just chopped up and horribly murdered this elderly couple. And it was so ironic and, and really just devastating. Just It was so – it just made your heart cringe. So they had the story prominently in the Baton Rouge Advocate. And they told the names of the people that had been murdered and, you know, humiliating uh, – traumatic, devastating experience for that family. But they said, by the way, these teenagers 
we can't tell you their name. Baloney. I'm going to say if someone commits a violent crime, their name needs to be out there. We need to know. And there needs to be accountability for teenagers. Now, you know, some people say, well, you just want to throw away young. Absolutely not. I've spent. We I'm gotta, sorry. We, no, we, we got to take a break. We're up against the clock here. Sorry. Mm, we're going to talk taxes when we get back. Okay. John Milkovich in studio. Mike and McCarty, 1017FM710Keel.com. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. And in studio with us this morning, local attorney John Milkovich, candidate for Louisiana Senate. We were talking. I want to talk taxes with you yes. right now. Uh, we had we talked with Daniel Orspalmer of the Pelican Institute last hour, and he talked about there is a way to phase out our personal income tax over seven years, and we don't have to replace the income. We can do it because we will grow jobs, we will grow industry in our state, and it can be done. We just have a balloon, uh, uh, an out-of-control state budget, and we need to look at that. Do you, A, do you support getting rid of the personal income tax in Louisiana? I do, And, and, and this is what I'd say about that. When I was in the Senate, and I said this, alluded to this before, I was the only member of the state Senate to go to the floor and propose hundreds of millions of dollars of specific targeted spending cuts to actually cut. Everyone talks about it. I thought, you know what? I'm in the Senate. I said I was against spending. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Now, I couldn't get everybody to go along with me on, on many of the proposed cuts. That is a fact. But I, the other thing is, as I mentioned, I was the only member of the state Senate that voted every time against increasing or extending the, 2000, the, the, the quote, temporary sales tax, unquote, which is now permanent. And I was the only member of the state senate that voted against the budget eight times i was named by uh and, and to god be the glory for this because i can't do anything without him but john george said i was the most fiscally conservative state senator to your point in louisiana we thankfully have a constitutional uh, uh provision that says you we can't deficit spend so if we're going to spend money we got to tax so if we want to cut taxes, we got to cut spending. And mm-hmm. that's what I tried to do in, in proposing hundreds of millions of dollars of specific targets. And by the way, there were good things like uh, Louisiana subsidizing one of the richest families in Louisiana. The middle class taxpayers in Louisiana, let me say that again, are subsidizing one of the richest families in Louisiana. Who? Who? Well, um, can I say they're in New Orleans? But anyway. Okay. Um, All right. And, and, and I probably, maybe I shouldn't say Our that. Our sales tax in Louisiana, our combined state and local sales tax. Second highest. Now highest. Oh, according we, to Daniel we, this morning. We beat Tennessee now. We're over, we're followed closely by Tennessee. They're at 9548. We're at 955. They were winning for a while. And, now and we we're, have we're the best schools. Yeah, we, 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 got we have the best roads. We have the best infrastructure. If we have the highest tax rate, why don't we have the best stuff? Because we're wasting money. And one of the one of the tax, uh, the proposed uh, spending cuts that I proposed from the floor of the Senate was, what about for one year, we put a freeze on hiring bureaucrats in the state bureaucracy. When I was in the legislature, I believe the number we had, 38,000 state employees working in the executive branch for the state bureaucracy. I said, well, let's not kick people out of their jobs and make them have to, you know, sell their homes and all. Okay, we'll let them keep their jobs. Great. Fabulous. That they're not, you know, they're not criminals. But how about we put a moratorium on hiring new people mm-hmm. and shrink the government? What would that have done over a period of time? It would have saved millions of dollars. Well, there's nothing wrong with government getting smaller because the bigger it grows, you know, the uh, bigger government, it gets bigger, more expensive, more willing to take away rights and freedoms. You sound like a libertarian. Okay. Well, more than a Republican, actually. Okay. And I don't say that in a bad way. Okay. Well, 
you know, what do y'all think about the government? I think and the, the federal government's, government's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think the, yeah, yeah. we can do with way less government. Yes. Local, yeah. federal, state. John, I've known you a long time. So the biggest criticism I hear about John Milkovich is this, and I saw I'm going to confront you directly. Okay. That you and don't, by the way, for the listeners out there, she did not give me... A uh, heads up on this. Nothing, no. <laughs> she did not warn know. me about no. this we don't, question. We don't, we don't pre-question don't, I don't pre-question, folks. Uh, you don't play well with others. And that, so that, so therefore you don't get put in leadership positions in, in the legislative se- sessions. Um, are you going to work on that? Or do you think it's true first? Well, I, I will say this. Uh, it, when I was in the legislature for four years, were there times that I got mad when I sensed that legislators were selling out the voters so they could take care of their lobbyists? And that is the one of the, I think a critical issue in government is politicians who take a stand making speeches, and then as soon as they get south of Florida, Lucas, they're no longer taking stands; they're taking orders from the the, politi- the you know the, the the PAC special interest lobbies politicians and bureaucrats. So I did take stands, and there were times when I confronted what I thought was hypocrisy. However, the fact of the matter is, this was an article written by De- uh, Justin DeCheria, who was a journalist with a, Bra- a Baton Rouge advocate, who said, I think it was published in 2016 or 17, he said that the average rate of passage for freshman legislators, a uh, percentage mm-hmm. of their bills that got passed was 11%. He said mine was 25%. By the way, I'm not sure how he came up with those statistics, to be completely honest. But this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to be honest and fair with honest legislators that want to do the right thing. But when it comes to game plan, when it comes to taking away our rights, when it comes to wasting our money. Mm-hmm. Not going to do it. I, hey, I think we need. I think people need to take a stand. And yeah. then we need to under figure out and the voters need to figure it out is this this is a smile across the aisle time flowery speeches and nice rhetoric smooth politicians or is this time where we need to take a stand well and- I'm, I'm just concerned because he has no passion no, <laughs> there's no excitement so there's i don't know john thanks for coming in hey thanks for the strong industrial strength coffee you bet and by the way i want i want to repeat that pastor denny Iran says you guys have a great show and Thank you. He is a genius. So God bless you, Aaron. Absolutely. Thank you for having you me, Mike. John, thank you for coming in. Thank you so John much. John Milkovich with Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Kiel. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Ruben, don't take your love to Arkansas anymore. Ever again? Ever again. <laughs> that's funny. There's so much that goes on over here that's uh, it's, uh, unbelievable. I know. He's a busy man. Uh, William Daniels spoke with us earlier this morning. Shreveport Water is uh, got some issues, but they're not health issues. It's stanky. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hear what he has to say next. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. William Daniel, director at uh, Shreveport's Water and Sewerage Department. We've got uh, got a lot of questions, William. Good morning, first of all. Thanks for talking with us. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. 
We uh, people are complaining. There's uh, that their water has a funky smell this morning or for the past several days. So what uh, what's the issue? What have you discovered? You said you've been on a, a steep learning curve here. I have. This is the first time we've had uh, an algae bloom that was this significant since I've been in Shreveport. Uh, I'm aware that they used to happen in the past. We've instituted, you know, over the years, we've instituted different uh, treatment processes, specifically ozone, and that has kind of mitigated them. But we had a very large algae bloom in Cross Lake, and that creates uh, uh, this sort of... uh, bad smell and bad taste in the water. Just to let the public know, the water is 100% safe. This is a naturally occurring process. It occurs all over the country, particularly in the south where you have surface water. But uh, I do understand that it tastes very bad, and I have kind of smelled and tasted myself. Some people, um, it should have already passed. People uh, at the end of lines where water is not used very often, they may still be getting some of this um, uh, unpleasant water. Uh, we'll come out and flush the line and try to get it all out if we, if, you know, if you'll call us. But um, in the future, we, when we get our ozone system fully running, we should mitigate uh, this uh, most of the time. So, did it affect the entire city or just certain sections of the city? No, it affected the entire city. Some people living close to the water plant, uh, you know, the water gets pushed by pretty rapidly, so it's replaced uh, regularly. If you live further out, or you, like I said, if you live on the end of a line where there's not much water used in that line, it's going to last longer, but... Um, It'll go away in, in a day or so. So what, awesome. what have you done to what have you done to address it, or have you changed the chemicals you're using right now? Temporary a temporary fix. Well, what we've done is we've seeded the lake with some copper sulfate, which keeps the algae from reblooming, and we have um, uh, increased uh, uh, our flushing so that we can you know that we can get some of it out. But really, the the ultimate solution lies in getting our ozone system fully up. We've had it up for about three weeks. Uh, It's not fully um, functional. So as time goes on in the next 30 days or so, we'll get the ozone system fully functional. This will mitigate it tremendously. We can't ever make it go away. Uh, These algae blooms occur, ironically, because... People are fertilizing their yards, and this water gets into the uh, the, the fertilizers washed into you know ditches, and it eventually winds up in Cross Lake, and that causes the algae to bloom. So uh, the other irony is it's been too hot for it to bloom here <laughs> until the last couple of weeks. So well, that know, explains we all... why the uh, <laughs> fire hydrants have been running on my mom's street for two days. Yes, ah, we've been okay. we've been flushing the that lines. Explains that. that we we flush them through the fire hydrants. So, yeah, I get people complaining about the smell and taste, and then I get some people <laughs> complaining about we're flushing the lines. So, try to figure out which one to resolve. No, uh, we're going to continue flushing, especially like I say in areas that 
are on the dead ends of lines where not a lot of water is used, uh, so the line the water moves through the line fairly slowly. But we'll get it all out in a day or so. And like I said, I've been looking on the internet, and this is happening all over the country. Um, so it's uh, you know I guess it's weather related somewhat, mm-hmm. gotcha. but uh, it's completely safe. I know it tastes bad and smells bad, but it's completely safe. And if you Put some in the refrigerator that you want to drink and maybe put a couple of drops of lemon in it. Uh, once it's chilled, that pretty much uh, causes the flavor and the and the smell to dissipate. The water quality lab number is here. You can take this down if you're listening. 673-7654. If you're still having an issue, you guys will come out and flush the system. 673-7654, correct? Yes, and they can also call our dispatch. Six seven three seventy six hundred, and we'll get the uh, we'll get the information to the uh, to the people who, who who run out there and flush the lines for us. William William Daniel, Water and Sewer Director. Thanks for your time, sir. Oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. 710 Kiel. <laughs> one thing one thing about this job, one one of the many mm-hmm. that I love. Um aside from me. You're way <laughs> high on the list. Absolutely. <laughs> um our 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 morning commute, no traffic. I'm telling you, that's the truth. (laughs) I mean, seriously. So true. I'm I'm traveling down Line Avenue, and and there ain't a headlight or a taillight in sight Mm -mm. at 4.30 in the morning. Nothing. And I-20 is pretty light. Yes. But, but, uh, folks, I understand, you know, that that do have to do it. Uh, They're struggling. It's, yeah. There's a driving the struggle bus. Right now, this time of the morning, and then later in the afternoon, with that construction going on in Bossier, it is a nightmare. I haven't been over there since it started. I haven't had to either. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out how it's going to affect in Shreveport. Are they going to do Shreveport while they're doing Bossier, or are they doing it? They're going to finish Bossier first and then move into Shreveport. They're supposed to start Shreveport any day now, and I, what okay. I've heard though was they're going to do it during the overnight hours. That they'll work during the nights. Well, that means us. Yeah, well, I'm fine with that because there's no cars out there. Yeah. I'm fine well, with true. the overnight yeah, if it's hours. one lane, we can still we get can through. We can still get through. The that's other true. three cars will be with us. Right. And if they do it in the overnight hours, they'll pack everything up, go away till the morning, and but I mean, till the next morning. I'll be honest, I'm kind of disappointed that they're not redoing us like they are those sections in Bossier. Mm-hmm. They're just doing us, uh, you know, patches of I-20. Now, they're right. taking it down to the dirt. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, that's what Aaron uh, told us. Yes, uh, last week. I it's think. definitely needed, and I, and but I just know I saw the. There's already they have a police car up there at the Spring Market Street as you're headed east, and they just have the flashing lights on. They just left a car up there just to warn people, hey, it's coming. You're mm-hmm. about to hit some construction. Because soon as you get over the Red River Bridge, it's move over. One lane, down to one lane, and it's creepy crawling. And it's all the way to industrial? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. From Hamilton Road. So, And, and that's and, both yeah. east and westbound lanes. You betcha. So, yeah. And as you heard Greg Adams say earlier this week, 
uh, the folks that are now swapping over and getting on 220, he says they don't know how to drive and <laughs> they need to work on that because it's messing up those regular 220 drivers. We've got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board it said people are driving recklessly while stupid. <laughs> PO'd because of rerouting, I guess. Oh, boy. Our PD is already strapped. PD ticket the wreck causers. Mm hmm. Yeah, and the, the thing is, people don't realize this is a two to two and a half year ordeal. Yeah, we might as well just strap in and, and go, look, it. this is the way it is right now. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change. Right. You just need to calm down. Calm down. Mm -hmm. I'm talking um, to myself. Yeah. I'm talking to myself. I, you know, I would use Texas Street, you know, if I, I and rather than go all the way around. I might jump off and use Texas Street to get through. Well, I, you know, know a lot of people are. I know, you know they a lot are. of locals know some shortcuts. They know what to do. And you can find a lot of shortcuts if you just be patient and, right. you know, so you don't have to make that whole. That's probably adds a few miles to the trip to go on 220. So just be patient. But it's not a surprise. We've no. been talking about this. We've known it's coming. For a long time. So, yeah. No. You know, allocate for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe leave a few minutes early. Yes, and definitely. go. You know, I, I I need to I need to change my route. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, easy for me to say sitting in here in this air conditioned studio <laughs> exactly. with you. Exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Um, tomorrow Friday, mm -hmm. last day without the rube. Yeah, rube will be back Monday. We'll be back Monday. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Michael McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Kilo Moon Griffon coming up.